You're listening to the Together Church Podcast. Today, you're going to hear a message from our series, The First Breakfast, where we look at the journey with Jesus and Peter through calling, brokenness, and restoration. We hope you enjoy today's message. Well, we are in the final week of our series, The First Breakfast. And over the past few weeks, we've looked at the Apostle Peter and his journey through calling and brokenness, and today, restoration. When we last left the story of Peter, we saw him run from the garden weeping because he had denied Jesus. But he did just as Jesus told him he was going to do. Now, he didn't think that he would ever get to a place to deny his Lord, but he did. And now, Peter's facing the pain of disappointment and failure. If he could just get a redo, if he could just reset and start over again, he would go back in time and he would want to rewrite that one moment of his life. And, and if he had that chance, that's what he would do. But with tears in his eyes, he sees Jesus be placed on a cross, and he watches him breathe his last. Now, can you imagine Peter in the moment? It looks as though he'll never get that chance to rewrite his wrong. But on that day of Jesus' resurrection, he hears that the tomb is empty. The Bible tells us he races back to the tomb. Peter hopes it's empty. He hopes that Jesus really did raise from the dead. And if so, he would get his opportunity to repent and make things right again. So as the disciples are huddled together behind a locked door, the resurrected Jesus appears to them. But as quickly as he appears, he also disappears. And once again, Peter feels lost. He feels disqualified. He feels like a failure. As the disciples make their way back to Galilee, which was about a five-day walk, Peter said, you know, I'm going fishing. And without any clear direction, Peter just goes right back to the thing that he knew, fishing. You know, it's, it's just like us when we often will feel out of control, and sometimes there's this urge to find what we can control. And sometimes that means returning to something that is safe and even familiar. And we've all been there. For Peter, the one thing that he thought, and I say he thought, that he could control was fishing. And the reason I say that he thought that he could control that was because after a long night of fishing, he once again didn't catch anything. As a matter of fact, in the Gospels, the disciples never caught fish without Jesus and only caught fish with Jesus. But the Bible tells us in John chapter 21, starting in verse 4, we're going to read all the way through 17 throughout this message today. Starting in John 21, 4, it says, At the dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was, so he called out, Fellas, have you caught any fish? They said, No, they replied. Then he said, Throw out your net on the right side of the boat, and you'll get some. So they did. And they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. I mean, does this sound familiar? Because if you remember when Jesus called Peter to be a fisher of men, the first invitation, Peter tells Jesus that he hasn't caught anything at all night. So Jesus tells him to throw his nets to the other side, and he couldn't haul in all the fish in the nets. And here we are in John 21, and we see Jesus doing the same things. Have you guys caught any fish? The answer, no. Throw your nets to the other side. Very familiar words with Peter. The last time their empty nets were filled, they were overflowing. It had been Jesus showing them who he was, and now he's showing them again. They hadn't recognized his face or his voice as it carried across the water, but now there is no mistaking him. Then the disciple that Jesus loved said to Peter, I love that John gave himself that name in his writing. The disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard 
that it was the Lord. He put on his tunic, for he had stripped for work. He jumped into the water, headed to shore. And the others stayed with the boat, and they pulled the loaded net to the shore, for they were only about 100 yards from shore. And when they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. You know, they say that smell is the strongest of senses that is most clearly linked to our memories. I mean, incoming smells are actually processed by the areas of our brain that are strongly implicated in emotion and memory. So the moment that Peter steps onto that shore, he's met with the smell of embers from that charcoal fire. That smell would have taken him back. There's only one other time in the entire New Testament that the words charcoal fire are used. And we find those words when Peter was standing beside Jesus when he denied him three times. It was a charcoal fire that was being used to bring light to the courtyard. So what's going through Peter's mind as he steps up out of that water in his wet clothes, walking towards Jesus, standing by the charcoal fire, and all these memories of that night coming back on him. And Jesus comes to the beach that morning to bring restoration to Peter, not judgment. Restoration to every thought and every memory and every fear and every action and even every smell. Look what John says. He continues in verse 10. Bring some of the fish that you've caught. And Jesus said, So Simon Peter went, he went aboard and he dragged the net to the shore. And the Bible says there were 153 large fish and yet the net hadn't torn. He said, Now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. And then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. And this was the third time that Jesus had appeared to his disciples since he had been raised for the dead. And scriptures say that they caught 153 fish. Now, biblical historians and commentators have many different opinions on this. Some say that the numbers represent the Hebrew letters, which mean I am God. So as the disciples are counting the fish and they get the number 153, everything would have become clear to them was I am God. And we don't, we don't know 100% that that's the truth, but what we can all agree on is this. Jesus gives Peter an invitation. He's already set the table for one of the most profound moments in all of Scripture. He's making a way from reconciliation and redemption. Peter has wished to go. He's wished to go back to that night in the garden and having a redo. But here we are with this invitation. This morning on the shore, Jesus gives Peter that very chance. The Bible doesn't tell us everything that was talked about over that charcoal fire as they ate, but it does tell us about the conversation that Jesus had after breakfast. So verse 15 says, After breakfast, Jesus asked Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know that I love you. He said, then feed my lambs. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know that I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. And a third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time, and he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. So after breakfast, Jesus looks Peter in his eyes and he asks, do you love me? He doesn't call him by his new name, Peter, but instead he called him by his old name, Simon. Jesus reminds him of who he used to be. 
You used to be Simon, son of Jonas. Simon was a fisher of fish, but Peter was a fisher of men. And Jesus asked Peter this question three times. Peter says, yes, Jesus, you know that I love you. And Jesus would tell him to feed his sheep. And Jesus says to Peter again, do you love me? And yes, Jesus, you know I do. Again, feed my sheep. Jesus asked him the third time, Peter, do you love me? The gospel says that when Jesus asked him the third time, Peter became upset. He sees the point that is being made here. Jesus appears to set up this whole situation to remind Peter of his failure. He asked him the question around a fire. Peter had denied Jesus around a fire. He said, do you love me more than these? He's talking about the disciples. Peter's exact word to Jesus had been, even if all of these denied you, I wouldn't. And Jesus says, do you really love me more than these do? Why is Jesus doing this? This seems kind of cruel. He's, is he trying to embarrass Peter? No. I think that he's actually healing Peter's broken heart. Just like when you and I have to have a bone reset after it's been broken. It's painful. Moving Peter through his pain is the only way for him to be healed. So Jesus asked the questions not once, not twice, but three times. And Peter had publicly denied Jesus three times. And the third time, he cursed and swore. And Jesus had overheard his words and looked him in the eye. And I see Jesus now on the seashore leaning towards Peter and looking Peter in the eye when he asked the final question in a far more intimate way. Jesus was giving Peter three chances to make good. He was giving Peter three chances to make good his three denials. This third question has all the power and passion in a good way that Peter's third denial had. So Peter responds, I hear his final response coming through the sobs as he as tears are flowing down his face. Lord, you know all these things. You know that I love you passionately as my dearest, closest friend. And just as Peter denied Jesus three times, he now affirms Jesus three times. And so the matter rests. Jesus, the great physician, the healer of the broken hearts, has just purged Peter's heart of guilt in a way. And he just purged it in a way no simple you are forgiven could have ever done. The Savior in his infinite love and grace and mercy has balanced the scales. Peter's three denials are offset by three humble but passionate declarations of undying love. With each time that Peter said, I love you, Jesus responded with the feed my lambs. Notice that Jesus didn't ask Peter, do you believe in me? Do you obey me? Do you believe this doctrine? Jesus wanted to know the one thing that was more important than anything else. That was the status of Peter's relationship with him. Do you love me? Because if you love Jesus and faith and belief and works and everything else will follow. Jesus is trying to show Peter that the basis of his acceptance is not in his performance. Jesus' love and acceptance, are, they're given as gifts based on his own finished work. And it's the same for us today. The story of Jesus and Peter is very much the story of the Father. It gives us the most beautiful picture of this limitless grace of our rescuing Redeemer. The words of Jesus spoke to Peter on the beach that day were a simple invitation that changed everything. The story of Jesus and Peter is a true story. The question is, is it true for you? Can you see yourself the way that Jesus sees you? Will you answer the invitation the, the way that he gives you every day to come and have breakfast with him, to commune with him? The whispers of you are not good enough or the lies that you have 
strayed way too far or that he would never use you. Those lies are silenced by the sound of his voice that brings a new mercy every morning. The first breakfast is an invitation to Peter and to all of us today because today and tomorrow and for all the days yet to come, his covenant is stronger than our commitment. And within his invitation, there are messages of rest and redemption and restoration, and there's a hope that echoes over all of us. And Jesus says, I still choose you. You've not let me down. You're not too much. You've not strayed too far. Your life can still speak of my unfailing love. You're going to make mistakes, but I am with you. Even in all of your brokenness, I am still reaching out my hand to you. In all of the ways that you may try and fail, I will refine you with the Father's love. I will carry you. I will rescue you. I will redeem you, and I will bring you rest. I love you. I forgive you. I still choose you, and I am with you always. Follow me. Follow me. Could we just pray today and just thank Jesus for choosing us? Father, we thank you so much today for choosing us in spite of our brokenness and flaws. You still pursue us with relentless love and an abundance of grace and mercy. May we continue to see ourselves the way that you see us. God, that you love us the way we are. We don't need to perform our ways into you. We don't need to impress you. You love us as we are. And we're thankful for your love, your mercy, and your grace. And we pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.